Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what is up? This is Jeff Harvin, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode. It has been a long time since I've done a Steelers one-on-one podcast. Believe it or not, I think the last time I did a Steelers one-on-one podcast was about late July in 2018, and my guest was this guy named Chris Carter from DK Pittsburgh Sports, and hey, it's another Steelers one-on-one podcast. We're abandoning the burning question for tonight. I wanted to talk with my good old friend, Chris Carter. He used to work here at BTSC with me. He was a, he still is a great guy, although he jumped, <laughs> <laughs> although he jumped ship and went over to DK Pittsburgh sports. But Chris, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the humble abode of BTSC. How's everything going? Going great, man. Uh, you know, things are really cool. You know, training camps around the corner. It's been an interesting off season. Been uh, doing lots of stuff with DK, uh, experimenting, experimenting on some things. Been working with Locked On Steelers, but it's it's been a fun, been a fun time. Uh, definitely just ready for everything to get started because we've all been kind of just starving for some actual football and for some actual things to evaluate. Absolutely. And you say it's right around the corner. Hell, it's tomorrow when we're doing this live. But most people are listening to this. It's it's today. It's <laughs> Thursday when they're actually going to, um, you know, that the players start rolling in. Before we get to anything, like I, we're going to talk about some storylines coming into camp and your own unique perspective on that. My question is, I've asked this question on all our podcasts this week. I wrote an article about it. And Pick Your Poison is an article I did in the offseason to kind of gener- generate some discussion on the website. My question is a simple question. Are you a guy that is okay with the Steelers rolling up in a helicopter in a chauffeur Rolls Royce uh, or are you someone or a, a fire truck, a, a tractor, or are you someone that says, you know what guys, it is, it's, it's been a rough off season. It's been a rough few seasons. Let's just show up for business. You know what I mean? What's your take on that? I think guys should have fun with however they like. You know, if you want to come in and be low profile, like Eli Rogers, he's already at Steelers camp. He he drove up on his own in his own car. He's already there. Really? Um, so like some guys, they show up low profile. They don't want the attention. But like if you want to be goofy with it, be goofy with it. You know, like when Brett Kiesel came up in a tractor or whatever it was that he used, <laughs> you know, I thought that was cute. Um, you know, Jalen Ramsey, everyone on Twitter right now is talking about Jalen Ramsey and he came up in a Brinks truck and, uh, that's such a, it's such a, so annoying. I'm like, if, if you think it's annoying, then just look away. You know, it's, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't stop you from focusing in on the game. I think it's just them. It, it's, it's like a wrestling entrance, you know, it's just like, Hey, this is just for flair. This is just for something to talk about and to be funny and to be entertaining. I don't think it takes away anything from the game, and it's it's something cool. Some of them I can I can do without, like you know when Antonio Brown landed last year in a helicopter, I was like, holy, that that's something else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what uh, about what about when James Harrison rolled up in a smart car that he barely fit in? Yeah, that that was pretty funny. That was like a clown car. Right, right. Like, but see, it's it's entertaining. It's all about getting people something to talk about. And just being silly, and uh, you know, and, and again, more people pay attention to you. And you know, as a player, people are like, "Oh, that means you're just you're a me, me, me guy." I'm like, well, yeah, I'm building my brand, you know, because people gotta n- want to know that name, and every little thing helps in that regard. I I don't have a problem with it. Um, my only problems are when you do things that make you miss team parts of the game that uh, and 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 force mistakes. But these are not that. No, and the funny thing is, is when you talk about brand, I'm not sure if anyone has a better more positive brand right now than Juju Smith-Schuster. And I I would probably bet that he's just going to roll in. He might have, he might be on a bike. 
or something like that. That'd be funny. But, um, you know, it's interesting. I I always say that the fans that yell and scream about, oh, they just got to show up and roll. And look, I I thought Brett Kiesel and James Harrison in a fire truck, and and some of it was just a little over the top for me. Mm -hmm. Just, guys, come on, let's just show up. But there are some people that I associate the – these guys, you know, they're getting paid millions of bucks. Go to your job. They're the same people that say that you shouldn't celebrate a touchdown, right? You know, because everyone scores touchdowns. You know, I mean, shoot, you just hand the ball to the ref. There you go. I, I've been here. To, that's it's the same type of thing. But here we go. They're going to show up Thursday. I think they have to be there by four p.m. Most of them roll up a lot earlier than that, and so we'll see. Maybe they all are all business. Vince Williams on his Instagram account said it's all business this year. He's not going to be rolling up on the Stone Cold Steve Austin vest. With that was pretty championship. good. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. I'll give him credit for that. He's a creative guy. So let's get to camp. Okay, so Friday is going to be their first practice, not padded practice. Practice that with pads will be on Sunday, I believe, which is the first padded practice. Um, my question for you is, let's talk about some storylines that are going to be going on throughout training camp the whole month that they're at St. Vincent College in Latrobe. What are some storylines that maybe people aren't talking about that you're intrigued about? Not necessarily that you, you know, this is going to impact the 53 roster. What are the things that you're looking at? Because you analyze more film than anyone I've ever met. There's things that you're like, yeah, this guy is the one I want to watch. What are some of the storylines? Just give me one. Uh, main thing is I want to see the continuity on defense. I want to see how the communication is impacting from the from the front line to the back of the secondary because Kevin Colbert's whole mission this entire offseason was to balance the roster because they were top heavy for so long and they were he realized they were going to lose both of the other guys Bell and Brown that were made them top heavy that made it like you know it's okay to have weaknesses on these areas because these are superstars that can bail us out in key situations. When those guys are gone, you need to make sure that the, the problems are that, that you had before, when, while they were there were, were filled. And he brought in Steven Nelson. He brought in Mark Barron. He brought in Moncrief to help at the wide receiver position. And they drafted Devin Bush. I want to see now with those additions, I want to see, does do, do people gel to get together? Does Devin Bush actually fit into the defense? Does Mark Barron help with that? Because if you, if people remember, it wasn't all it, it was it wasn't all sugar and sunshine when it was Ryan Chazier just plopping into the defense. They still had a lot to figure out. They still had a lot of questions. They still were missing gaps. I mean, even the 2016 season when they lost to the Cowboys and you saw Ezekiel Elliott just cutting them up and he, he scored that game winning touchdown. You know, it, it took time for them to gel and to find those. I want to see how quick can they coalesce and sort of plug in where they are because in the defense, they have a lot of the pieces that they need already. And the guys that you know they're they're improving. Terrell Edmonds is moving along. T.J. Watts is getting better. The defensive line's already there. But how does De- Devin Bush and Mark Barron fit into what they're doing now? How does Stephen Nelson does fit in as the second cornerback? Because to me, Stephen Nelson is is the is what you want at a number two. You know, he's not going to be the all time playmaker, but he can challenge the ball in the air. He can cover a decent receiver, and he's a starting caliber kind of guy, unlike what they've had with Cody Sensabaugh, Antoine Blake, Cortez. You can go back for years. So that to me is about finding that balance across the board on defense. Can they coalesce? Because that to me is the key to this season. If that defense does not come together the way that that the roster looks like it should, this season is going to be a long one. Okay, before we get to your next storyline, a couple rapid-fire questions for you. Number one. Week one, the Pittsburgh Steelers go to Foxborough to face Tom Brady and the that team up north, as we call them. We don't like to say that name on this show. Who's the inside linebacker starting? 
they're going to play the majority of snaps because starting is not like in baseball. You right. know I mean, starting is a very yeah. relative term. So who's going to see the most time? Devin Bush, Mark Barron, Vince Williams. What's the trio like? What are your thoughts? I think Vince Williams of the three gets the most snaps simply because he's the most familiar. They're still going to want him on the field because he's an interior pass rusher and they know that frustrates Tom Brady. Also, Vince Williams, he had an interception of Tom Brady two years ago. Um, and I think that he's, he's, he's been part of the reason why they've been better against the Patriots the past couple years. Um, but I think but it's going to be Vince Williams. I think you're going to see more of Devin Bush. I really think he's going to translate and be able to do more quicker. And they're going to want to use him in a lot of ways to frustrate teams. Um, because also he's a guy that can drop back in coverage and rush the passer. Um, I think they're going to want that versatility against against Brady. Um, and I think they'll be comfortable with that. Now, if he makes a cut, uh, this is what I need to see in training camp. Does Devin Bush, does he live up to the hype of can he do the, you know, does the, you know, his communication skills, is he as on top of the playbook as everyone says he is? Because if he is, then there's no reason to not try to push him up there right now. But if he's taking time, if he's not feeling confident about himself, if he's missing certain reads, still keep him in the loop. But let Mark Barron take the bulk of things right now, especially when you're going up against a player like Tom Brady, who he literally just played his last game against. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, let's go Vegas style here. I want your honest opinion. Now, for those that don't know Chris, he's an optimist like me. We're both kind of the homers of the group. Back when he was with Behind the Steel Curtain, he and I and Lance would get into arguments because Lance is a negative Nancy. Yes, he is. And we're, and we're very positive guys. But I want your honest opinion here. Vegas over underline for Bud Dupree Sachs in 2019. I'm going to set the line at, man, eight. Ooh. That's the thing. That's the push right there, man. I got an eight you can't on the say push. You can't say push. Oh, come on, man. That's, I, I have been eight. I have been eight. In sacks, you can actually take halves. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I'm going to say under simply because I feel Ooh, like. Okay. Uh, all right. I have him at eight, Jeff. I literally. Have him. <laughs> it's yes. I, was like, I was like, as long as it's nine, good. <laughs> but you said eight, and I'm like, ah, that's the, that is the number that I have him getting this year. But I, I think he's going to have seven and seven, seven and a half, eight, maybe even nine sacks. I do think because uh, the, the rest of the, the defensive front is so tough right now that they get, you got to double either Hayward or to it, or you have to double both of them. Hargrave being out there, you know, if he's in the mix, TJ Watt's going to attract attention. If they rush a, if they rush a, a you know, a Vince Williams or a Devin Bush or Mark Barrett up the middle, and then you still got to account for, for Dupree, he's going to be the, the, the least likely candidate to be double teamed. I see that. And I think also I've, I've written about this during the off season. When I was talking to Dupree last year and he had a, a rush of three games in a row where he had sacks and that had never happened for him before. I said, bud, what's going on, man? Like you're, you're, you're on some other sort of tear. He's like, I know. Right. And it's because coach T just told me just to do what I do. And I was like, really? Okay. And like, and he just, and so I, I just kind of took that as like a, just a note and I just put, put that in my, my thing, but it, it, you know, and I, I just, I didn't think much of that right away, but it occurred to me, he was becoming more of a tradition, just a regular speed rusher, which is what he's always been. But he was trying less of the traditional get the bend, you know, do what a three, four outside linebacker, what a typical edge rusher is supposed to do. And then it occurred to me when, especially when, um, you know, Joey Porter was let go, that they were telling him to just play to his style and don't worry about what Porter was teaching him. And, I was like, whoa, that's that makes sense. And that's what he was doing. So I think this year, 
is going to be a lot of him just playing to his own strengths and doing it that way. And that may yield some more sacks because that's where he got, that's where he, that's where he kind of was catching up last year and improving. So I think he's going to do better than a lot of people expect. People are probably thinking like, oh, just get like four maybe if he's lucky. But I think he's going to be better at that than most people expect because he's going to be in his own game. Uh, I don't think they're going to try and make him be something that he's not, and that will allow him to get more sacks this season. Okay, so yes or no? Here we go. Bud Dupree gets eight sacks like you predicted. Do the Steelers sign him again, or do they let him go? It's tough. Uh, it is tough. I'm, yeah. asking, I'm asking you tough questions. Good question. These are good. This is tough. <laughs> why you and I always get that. Um, but uh, I, I, I think no because they still have so many other players to sign. Okay. Um, and you know everyone's talking about they only have nine million dollar cap space. But I wrote the other day, um, if if they get rid of people like you know, like say if they release Mark Barron and and, and they they don't pay Anthony Chicolo the six million dollars he's on the cap for for next year and, and Jordan Barry and a few other guys that are making a little bit more money than they should on the roster next year, they can free up to about they can get about twenty seven million dollars in cap space just from those moves alone, let alone some restructuring deals that they can do. And I'm sure that Ben Roethlisberger will help them with. Um and, and, and but when you do that, you still got to sign Joe Hayden, maybe a Mike Hilton, Javon Hargrave, and, and those guys, and maybe bring in a free agent. And I just have a hard time justifying paying Bud Dupree when that's my limited cap space, unless you're talking about like a five million dollar deal um, per year. You know, if it's around then, okay, that that might be doable. But I can also see this team reinvest reinvesting at pass rusher. Um, you know, this year is if, if if they don't like what they see of Dupree and if Ola Adini doesn't turn out to be this superstar undrafted guy that, you know, some people think he can be. Um, and then saying, you know what, you know, we have T.J. Watt. This is fine, but it's time to go get, you know, uh, the, his his Lamar Woodley, you know, the guy that's going to pair up with him and and be the Robin to T.J. Watt's Batman. OK, that's all in the future. We'll talk about that plenty. What is another storyline that you're looking forward to in training camp this year in 2019? Um, major storyline, it's going to be um, I, I really want to see how Ben Roethlisberger builds a rapport with, with the young receivers. Um, this was something that came up when James Washington revealed to everyone. He was like, you know what? I felt really uncomfortable on the team last year. He was talking about how – uh, you know, he, he felt like he was walking on eggshells around Ben Roethlisberger for so long and they didn't talk, they didn't communicate and, he, and it made him feel weird. And then he said, when Ben called him out, that forced him to step up, that helped their relationship. And then you saw at the end of the season, they started to connect a little bit more. Well, now that's out the way. He hung out with Ben Roethlisberger. He's talked he's talked with him. He's worked with him in some camp practices and they're getting along better and they're doing some good things. I want to see how does that trend? How does that translate across the board? Because one thing that I've, I think that, and I've said this about Ben Roethlisberger before, is that he's not the Peyton Manning type of leader that would develop those relationships with all of his receivers. He's not the guy that's going to be all about you know the, the you know the building building the, you know, relationships with everybody and making friends with everyone in the building and you know setting up the the stage for them to move forward as a group. But I think that he's realized that that's important, especially with how the Antonio Brown thing went down and how a lot of the narratives have been formed against him. And that's why you saw him make an effort to do stuff with James Washington and to talk to Deontay Johnson. So I want to see how does he work with Johnson, Washington, um, and and even, you know, Moncrief's a veteran, so that's a little different. But even a Moncrief, you know, I, in practices, I often saw him talking a lot to Eli Rogers, but he wouldn't do that with 
with Juju Smith-Schuster as much. You know, he would be getting on Eli, but he wouldn't do that with, with Antonio Brown. I want to see how he presses all of his receivers this year, and that would be something huge to help the offense become more efficient, to build those relationships, to build that trust, and so that there aren't as many blow-ups and misunderstandings between the group, not just in the locker room and, you know, on talking on radio shows, but on the field when one group, when one guy, when Ben Roethlisberger is thinking one thing and they're thinking another, they can easily sort of remedy that and say, hey, we're all on the same page because we've been on the same page. That's a huge part for me whereas Ben Roethlisberger's development, and it's funny we're talking about development, you know, he's been in the league, what, 15 years, but um, he, everyone's always still finding a way to grow. And this, to me, that and uh, being efficient within Randy Feekner's offense, those are two key things that I think Ben Roethlisberger needs to have this year. You bring up the receiving core. My question for you is there's two trains of thought in amongst the fan base when it comes to Ben Roethlisberger and his receivers last year and in previous years. First, are you in the camp that says that Roethlisberger did force the ball to Antonio Brown when Brown wasn't getting his receptions and was probably in his ear in the huddle saying, throw me the ball? Or, or do you think that he threw to Antonio Brown because it's Antonio Brown? Um, because a lot of people were taking, if you're in that first camp and say that, you know, he was forcing him the ball, that it could really open up the offense this year because he's not going to have that need to pump the ball to one specific person. He can kind of take what the defense gives him. And with this offense, even without Antonio Brown and without Le'Veon Bell, um, they are going to have weapons across the board. So where, what camp do you fall in in terms of how Roethlisberger handled Brown in the past? So there were definitely times where he forced the ball because Antonio Brown wanted him to like, you know, when he had that four yard, four, four catches for four fifty yard streak that was going on. And a few, it was like three or four years ago. And, and uh, it was against the Jaguars and at the end of the game, they threw a pass to Antonio Brown at the last, like those type of moments. I think he did, but for the most part, he went to Antonio Brown because he was his safety valve. I mean, he was, he was the man that, Whenever they were in a bind, you could go to him and he would find ridiculous ways to to make the catch happen. I mean, the 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 Browns game, I think it was two years ago, where Deshaun Kaiser is, you know, has made this a close game and they just need a few first downs and they are up against the wall. And Ben Roethlisberger just throws up a pass into triple coverage. And Antonio Brown pulls it down in the clutch, getting the first down. Everyone couldn't believe it. Those type of plays he came to rely on and that's why you have an Antonio Brown he goes up and he makes those spectacular plays and when that happens you're gonna force the ball to him because one you pay him all that money two he pulls your fat out the fire I mean the Chiefs game where he almost threw an interception but Brown you know caught the tip and then took it all the way in for the winning score there's way too many times that, that those two have worked some crazy magic for Ben Roethlisberger to not say, I'm getting the ball to that guy because he's good. Um, I, I do think there's some times where it worked the other way, but the, by, by the by large, by the large and in the majority, this was because Antonio Brown is has been the best receiver in football for the past six years. And you don't get to, you don't just throw that away because, or you, you don't discount that just because, Oh, he, he wanted the balls. All receivers want the ball. And, and and Antonio Brown did have did, you know did advocate for the ball, but he also made plays with the ball, and that's what gets you gets you uh, targets, not just yelling about it. So, how do you think this offense, in terms of the passing game, is going to look this year? Is it going to be similar? Is do you think it'll be different? I mean, I feel like they can really start from scratch, but I'm curious what you think, how you visualize this. We don't know where this is all just speculation, but what what do you speculate the offense is going to look like from a passing attack? 
Well, for one, I think it's going to it's going to look a little bit similar in the sense that Randy Figner did spread the ball more last year, uh, and, and not just to Juju Smith Schuster, but he had Ben Roethlisberger looking at running backs, at you know, advance McDonald a little bit more often, and, and taking the pat the, the passes that were there instead of trying to force them where he wanted them to go. You have to read the defense, and this is something that, Jeff that you and I used to talk about this all the time when I was up behind the steel curtain. But Ben Roethlisberger had to do a better job at reading what was in front of him and taking what was available instead of trying to go with what he thought he should because that would be, make the big play all the time. And that's great sometimes, but when the defense leaves the flat wide open and you can kick it to a running back who's going to take it up 10 yards, why not just do that? And too few times has, has he been able to make those types of adjustments, and that's what I think he needs to do, and he started to do. That's why you saw the Steelers have the number one red zone offense in the NFL last year because that and the running game, of course, but when they threw the ball, they could be less predictable. They weren't always just going to Antonio Brown or or Heath Miller or doing something that everyone could see coming. Um, and that I think that was a huge part of what helped what helped that was spreading the ball around and not being as predictable. And now Antonio Brown being out of the mix, everyone's going to be looking at Juju Smith Schuster. But if Ben Roethlisberger again, if he develops that relationship with these new guys, you know, you get you 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 make you show how James Washington is a threat. You see how Dante Moncrief is, is a speedster, and you gotta and you make them honor that. You know if Deontay Johnson's quick and tough to cover, that's another guy to consider. And then you got the running backs. If James Conner and Jalen Samuels are are, are distracting people and, and getting open and getting one on one matchups with guys that can't run with them, by all means, because eventually defenses are going to run out of good cover guys. It, you know that's what happened. The first touchdown against the Patriots uh, last season was Vance McDonald going up against. Uh, Pat Chung, and he just ran. He just did a little, did a little wiggle, and hit the hit the corner route, and it was wide open. Um, and that was their first touchdown. Ben Roethlisberger saw it. You're gonna get those mismatches, but you gotta threaten them with enough people to force them to honor your top matches to get those the, those uh, those kind of advantages. But that's how it happens: is reading, processing, being more prepared and more efficient within the offense. Okay, so uh, let's do some sub questions here. Juju Smith-Schuster last year had seven touchdowns. He scored seven touchdowns in his first two years, but he had 1,400 receiving yards. True or false, his receiving yards totals will go down, but his touchdowns will go up. What say you? Absolutely true. I think think they're going to balance out more of the receiving yards. Uh, I know that Antonio Brown's gone, so that should say, oh, his receiving yards should shoot up. But I think they're going to be forcing the ball – not forcing. They're going to be moving the ball around to more people. Like I said, I really think they're going for – um, I really think they're going for the the balance of the roster. They're going to be looking around and trying to figure out which ways to keep you guessing as far as who they're attacking with. That's what's going to work. But I also think that with Antonio Brown gone, that's going to give Juju Smith-Schuster some more big play opportunities. He's going to find his way in the end zone a little bit more. Um, and I think uh, that, that he's going to get those targets because even, even when you, someone puts their best cornerback on it, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to be covered and blanketed. Um, and there's not that many teams out there with a super duper cornerback that can lock someone down all the time. Um, so they're going to get their chances. And I think that he's going to get double digit touchdowns this year. Okay, so let's look at the 53-man roster from the receiver position. Almost everyone that you talk to, myself included, say it's going to be Juju, James Washington, Dante Moncrief, Deontay Johnson is a third-round draft pick, Ryan Switzer, and Eli Rogers. You assume they're going to keep six, but 
if you were to get if, if you were to swap out someone because i was talking with dave schofield who we do a couple shows together on this platform and none of those guys other than return men play special teams there's no darius hayward bay amongst that group that's not going to play a lot on offense yet is going to play every single time as a gunner on special teams you look at a guy like johnny holton Deontay Spencer is another one. If you were to pick one wide receiver that would be a shock to not make the team and get cut or even traded, who would that be? You're saying who would be a, a sh- like what player? I'd be- are you assuming that the six that I named are going to be the six that make the roster? Yes, that, that I, I think that's okay. I think that's it. Right. So if there was one of those six that w- would be a shocker to not make the team because let's say it's special teams, uh, you know. They don't need Deontay Johnson, Eli Rogers, and Ryan Switzer to all return kicks. Right. <laughs> you don't need three of those guys. So um, if there, if maybe you don't see this happening at all, and that's fine, you can say that. But there are some other players out there, and you could throw in Trey Griffey if you want. I don't believe he has a shot, but that's just me. Um, who would be another player that you'd say, you know what, I could see this guy making the team, and if he does make the team, X could be expendable. Who would that be? Yeah, I don't, I don't see any any of the guys on the practice squad stepping up and making that move. You know, it, it's not just the return game, but Rodgers and Switzer's slot skills really are uh, something that they value. And the rapport that Rodgers has had with Roethlisberger, I think, is what's kept him around for so long. Um, and he's gotten better. I mean, you know, you know, people forget. You know, when he first got on the scene, people were like, "Oh, who is this guy? Why is everyone hyping him up?" Uh, but he, he's he's really quick. He 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 gets the underneath plays, and he's Ben's guy to go to in a pinch. Um, and Switzer became that a little bit. But if, if I had to pick one of the six, I, if I was the Steelers, I would let go of Ryan Switzer, um, despite him being young and you know doing a good job last year. And that's nothing against him. I think he's done a good job, you know, and and taking advantage of the opportunities he's been given. Um, but I just think the rapport with Rodgers is stronger and that's what you want to keep around. Cause again, you're not looking at any of these guys to be career guys. You know, this isn't like you're picking someone to be the longevity of the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger is only going to be here for another three seasons. Um, so if Rodgers, you keep around for a couple seasons, you're not, you're not going to miss anything when he's gone, gone. Right. And the right. same thing with Switzer, you know, Switzer to me is, you know, he's a guy that, that that's expendable when it comes to the long-term planning of what the Steelers need to do. You know, he, he's way down on my list of guys that I think that the Steelers have to prioritize as far as keeping around. I mean, and Rogers in the same boat. Um, but I just think that Rogers' experience with Roethlisberger would be what puts him over the top for those guys between those two. But you know, the top four guys, you're not you're not touching any of those guys. You know, I mean, James Washington's a second round pick; he's not going nowhere. You know, Deontay Johnson, third round pick; he's not going nowhere. Dante Moncrief, he's not going nowhere, and Juju's the man. So you know, it's between those two if someone's gonna go. But I don't think any of them are. I think they keep right. six wide receivers, and specifically because. I think that Tomlin and the crew, they're kind of like, we don't want to be stuck in with what happened in 2016 when the AFC championship came down and they all they had was Antonio Brown, broke hands, Sammy Holmes, Eli Rogers, and Kobe Hamilton and Darius Hayward Bay. I mean, that was just a nightmare situation of the wide receiver position. They want to have that diversity. Sammy Coates and combat catch Kobe Hamilton. Good oh. Lord. That was an AFC championship game, folks. Yep. Keep that in mind. <laughs> now, hey, real quick, I don't want to spoil your last one. We want to do three storylines. You have one more. I don't want to spoil it, but which is more concerning for you? Real quick answer. The tight end depth or the kicking game in special teams? Hmm. What's more of a concern? Yes. 
I would say tight end depth because I'm a little worried about Vance McDonald getting hurt and then Xavier Grimble being your only only answer. Um, and then you're talking about Zach Gentry and you're wondering, can he even play? Um, that 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 to me is a bigger concern right now. I, I'm I'm a lot more confident that Chris Boswell is going to get back on what he was doing before last season than most people are because of his growing tear. Um, and uh, and I, I told people last year, I'm like, I think he's just having an off season. This is very weird of him. You know, he, he you don't go from being a superstar kicker that was making all the clutch kicks to just a complete just guy that can't do anything right. And, you know, for, for no reason, there had to be a factor. And we later found out if the factor was that he was injured and it was just, wasn't revealed because he was trying to keep a job. Um, but, uh, but I do think the tight end position is still more important right now because that's st- that right now that's a position of strength for the Steelers because McDonald is the starter. And that adds to, again, that balance on offense that, that their offense needs to achieve so that Randy Feetner's, uh, system can work and that Ben Roethlisberger could spread the ball around. And now you have to honor all these different threats, but McDonald's such a big part of that. And they need a second option to be able to, 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 to back him up. Should he go down or just need a break? So uh tight end depth, that, that would be the bigger concern for me. Okay. Last one storyline can be anything. What are your, what's your last storyline to keep an eye on during training camp? Um, last storyline going back to the defense. Um, you know, we talked about continuity, but I, I want to see what the, what the, what the, th- what the, what the turnovers are like with the secondary. Can they finally put it together and get some interceptions from that group? Because Terrell Edmonds, I'm telling you, Jeff, when I talk to that guy, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. He knows what's on, on the field. I asked him about other teams and, and he, he has intimate details on each opponent. He was studying like crazy to get ready for each game, you know, for people who think, oh, he's just another guy. No. Terrell Edmonds, I think, is a special character, and that's why they, they made sure to select him in the first round, um, despite a lot of people thinking that they reached for him. Um, but I think him, Sean Davis, being a, being in, finally in a position for a second season in a row, I think those could be really big boosts. Joe Hayden finally has another number two cornerback that people might not just salivate to throw at every time, so maybe he gets more forced passes his way and therefore more interceptions. But you got to get the turnover count up. That's a huge reason why they weren't successful. And and uh, part of that defense and that continuity and being better is going to be forcing those turnovers, limiting the longer drive for them and and giving more opportunities for this efficient offense to finally come together and uh, put more points up on the board. Because, hey, if you're get, if you're getting more turnovers on the opposing side of the field, you're giving you're giving the offense that many more chances to, to confuse defenses and to keep them off off balance. And that can turn into a lot more points itself. OK, couple Again, sub questions to your comments. First, does any member of the Steelers secondary record four or more interceptions this season? And if so, who's got it? Four or more or more than four? We'll say four or more because I don't think there's been a, a defensive back since Troy Palomalo that's had four or more. Am I right? No, you're right. You're right. Okay. Palomalo is the last one to have that many as far as a secondary member. So does anyone do it? And if so, who is it? Hmm. I think that maybe one guy gets four, and if it is, it's Joe Hayden. I think okay. he's going to get more targets. I think they're going to be better all across the board on defenses, which is going to force people to try to target their best receiver, and their best receiver is going to get Joe Hayden 24-7. 
And I think that gets him more opportunities. And he's probably he's probably got the best hands of the secondary. That's why I think that he's going to get those numbers. Um, but I also think there could be a spreading out of those numbers as far as who gets what interceptions. Right. Uh, <clears throat> increase increasing the turnover output. But no, there's not like a, a there's there's not like a Troy Polamalu that has seven and just you know takes it away yeah. from everybody. Okay, two questions, yes or no answers. You don't have to elaborate. You can just do rapid fire. Number one, does Artie Burns make this team? You mean like after training camp? Does he make the 53-man roster? I guess. Uh, uh. <laughs> I, say, I say yes. Okay. Because I think he still they, they still believe that he can figure out what's going on in his funk, but they're not going to wait for it. So... Um, I think it's going to be him battling it out in camp and showing some, some, uh, some chutzpah or whatever you want to call it. Um, and them saying, okay, you can stick around, but he's not going to have too many opportunities to prove himself. Well, but if he can prove himself in training camp, it's the best case scenario. Cause then if Joe Hayden were to get hurt, at least you have someone capable of starting experience. Okay. Second question. Does Mike Hilton get a new contract before the regular season? <sighs> the rate things are going. I don't think so. I, it's unfortunate because Mike Hilton deserves a new contract. I mean, that guy's a baller. He's a beast in the slot. He's such a good player. Uh, and had a, had a rough season last year, though. Had a little he, bit of a rough season. Rough second half of the season, yeah. He yeah. he he ran, he ran into a bit of a wall. Um, but I think he can recover, and I think that's part of it. Is they they're they're sort of pushing him in that regard, and um, you know they're 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 seeing what they can get out of him. But I mean, here's the dilemma with both. With you know, we're, we're to, you brought up two cornerbacks. Here's the dilemma: at cornerback. You got Joe Hayden. You got Steven Nelson, you got Mike Hilton, you got Justin Lane, who you just drafted and you're not getting rid of. You got Cameron Sutton, you got Artie Burns and Brian Allen. That's seven guys. You can't keep seven corners. No. You, know, you keep six if if you're if you're if you're greedy. And um, you know, they did that, they've done that before with uh because they were able to, to shorten up on how many outside linebackers they kept. But um I just I, I don't see them keeping seven. And it may be Brian Allen, maybe somebody, but, uh, you know, maybe Artie Burns. But uh, I, I think that um, Hilton, with the with the things that they need, with the people they need to pay next year, I, I'm not sure that they really push to get him an extension uh, right away. Okay, that's interesting stuff. You know, Brian Allen, I was shocked when I looked at the Steelers' official roster. He's listed as cornerback slash safety this yeah. year. So is that a precursor to him making the roster as a quote unquote safety? And, you know, we'll see because we know the safety depth is not outstanding. You know, you have Marcus down a couple others. Okay. So first and foremost, thank you for the storylines. I think it was great. We had some good discussion, good, some Q and a, but now is when we open up the live chat, which has been going on. People have been making comments on YouTube the entire time. Uh, we have just under a hundred people that are in the live chat right now. And they want to know what's going on now. Crazy Chris, who's a regular in our live chat. He used what's called the super chat feature. If you're not familiar with that and you're new to the show, right at the bottom of your screen, whether you're on a tablet, phone, computer, it says chat publicly at BTSC Steelers radio to the right is a little money sign. You can hit that money sign. You can donate any amount of money. It goes straight to the program. We appreciate that. We call it our tip jar. It'll highlight your question. We will guarantee to answer that. You don't have to use it, but you can. So he put $1.99 in the tip jar. Thank you, Crazy Chris. He said, who will have a better season this year, Juju, TJ Watt, or James Conner, the 2017 boys? What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Well, um, I wrote about this early in the summer. I think TJ Watt's going to be team MVP this year. I nice. think I think he's going to explode. Um, he's, he's been progressing each year 
And I know it's only been two years, but um, I literally saw it in his rookie camp when he was he was going up against Xavier Grimble. And this was my biggest critique of him coming out of college. He didn't really have moves uh, on the edge. He just overpowered you. He would get his hands inside of you, push you, then just get rid of you and get to the quarterback. And he would just beat you because he was bigger, faster, and stronger. Um, but when you try that at the NFL, you're going to lose unless you're Miles Garrett. You know, uh, but uh, when uh, when he was going up against Xavier Grimble one time on like one of the, on the, the first night practice, um, he was going up against him. They were shoving each other and, um, you know, he wasn't winning and Grimble was beating him and Grimble beating a, a number one pick. That's a little scary, you know, but, you know, it's part of veteran versus rookie. And uh, Watt didn't like that. He was a little choppy and uh, who of all people. But James Harrison came over, pulled him to the side and said, yo, no, no, let's talk. And I, I didn't get to hear what they saw, what they said, but I saw him do some hand motions and talk about the rip. And on the next play, uh, TJ Watt came with a rip move and beat Xavier Grimble. And then early in the season, you saw him surge through with a bunch of sacks um, because he was employing more moves. But as the season went on, you know, when you're a rookie and you're having to learn, okay, we got to do this playbook for this team and this playbook for that team. He had so much to have to absorb. He sort of lost the training that he had in the beginning of the year with finally diversifying some moves. That improved last year because that was two years ago we were talking about. That improved last year because, one, he switched to his dominant side. He's traditionally a guy that likes to rush from the left side, um, and that's uh, and that's and that was his home in Wisconsin. So he got a little bit more confident there. He worked on his moves a little bit more. And uh, he showed more. He showed a wider variety of what he was able to, how he's able to rush the passer, and uh, that got him 12 sacks last year. I think that he's on pace to do even better this year, and um, doing, and he might even get a couple interceptions with the way that he plays, and that will kind of endear him to the team. I think he might make some big uh, game-ending sacks or force some fumbles because they just have they haven't had luck with fumble recoveries either. And I think that that tide has to turn just because of karma. Um, but uh, I think T.J. Watt is going to be the guy that has the big year. I think they all have very good years. If I had to rank them, I think it'd be T.J. Watt, Juju, then uh, – it's funny, in the order that they are picked, uh, T.J. Watt, then Juju, then James Conner. Uh, but uh, I think Ju Juju's in for a big year. I think James Conner's in for a strong year. I, don't, I think they're going to try and balance out the running game a little bit more, not running back by committee, but, like, you know, give him some supplementing uh, to not let him put him out there too much so he doesn't get hurt. But T.J. Watt – if I was to pick one from that class, it'd be it'd be him. Okay, we have a couple yes or no's. We'll do rapid fire here. Uh, Nicholas asks, "Are you concerned about the depth along the defensive line?" No, right. that's one position I'm confident at. Very good. Um, do you think the Steelers will do two parts here? Do you think the Steelers will sign another safety, or do you think they'll make any moves before the start of the season? They've done that in recent years, where they pick up a player that's been cut, or maybe even make a trade. Do you see them making those type of moves again? I think so, because I think it's a very good chance someone can get hurt or underperform. And uh, gambling that that one of those two things don't happen, um, especially at safety and at tight end, those things, I think that it's, you know, those, those are two things that are that are that are too likely that one or the other could happen. Um, if Grimble underperforms, they're going to get another tight end. They're going to make moves to do it, but they'll they'll find somebody. And if, um, you know, Jordan Dangerfield, he's going to be the communicator guy that's the next free safety up. But if Marcus Allen's not 
showing much. And if they're not getting anything from PJ Locke and Drayvon Askew Henry and all the other guys that back up safety, um, and if Brian Allen's not working out, I can see them saying, hey, let's just go get another veteran that's just out there and just put him put him on the roster and uh and let him be there so yeah i do think that they 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 might sign they, they i can see them signing someone okay very good do you think isaiah bugs makes the roster this year mm. and that was from andy <laughs> that was, sorry <laughs> and that's a that's a funny question the the joke i always have is who's gonna ever knock off dan mccullers because everyone's been predicting this man's downfall but he finds a way he's just hanging around hanging around He's he got- has naked pictures of someone. I'm just not sure who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I, I I don't think he does because I think McCullers is it's still good enough to. If you look at Bugs's uh, combine performance, it was not good. He's not that like. But I do think him with Dunbar is interesting. His versatility is interesting. He can play inside and outside as far as defensive line. Um, I'm not putting it past him, but I just think it's too tall of an order to beat Big Dan right now because he's he's found a way to survive on this roster for a few years. Yeah, it is crazy. Like I said, he's he's got nudie photos of somebody. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Hassan and Greg both put $2 into the tip jar. No questions. Just straight in the tip jar. Thank you very much. We appreciate it, guys. Uh, here we go. Um, let's see here. If Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt and misses more than two games, do you see the Steelers having any chance of making the postseason? Yes. And because I think they're. And who would the quarterback be? Oh, that's the tricky. Yeah. (laughs) I I am very, see, we haven't talked in a while about this type of stuff. I mean, we talk regularly, but I am a huge fanboy of one of these two players that could possibly be the number two guy. You could probably guess which one, (laughs) but still, um, who's your guy? If I had to pick one, I just wrote about this for DKPittsburghSports.com. I think that Mason Rudolph is going to be the guy this year that gets. That's what I'm talking about. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that he's the guy simply because I think that he has the natural touch and the natural accuracy of a quarterback. Um, I think Dobbs is just as smart as him. I think he's just as, uh, I think he has as strong of an arm. but I think Mason has a little bit more of the traditional quarterback skills because he's had to be a pocket passer and because of what he had to do at Oklahoma State. Um, whereas I, I think that I think Josh Dobbs might be a better leader than he is. I think that you you look at his his leadership skills, his charisma. Talk when you talk to other Steelers about Josh Dobbs, they like this guy. You know, they're like, man, that kid that kid brings it. And, and that was what he did at Tennessee. I mean, he was always excitable. Everyone when he made a play, people were so fired up for him. Um, but that won't always get the job done. And I think that Mason Rudolph might prove why he was a third round pick uh, in this preseason. And that's why I actually wrote about that on DK Pittsburgh sports this week um, saying that, you know, there's going to be a battle and it's not going to be an easy one, but I do think that Rudolph is going to win out. But I also, I caution everyone. If Dobbs is still number two, I don't think that's because Rudolph did anything bad. I think that Dobbs is much better than a lot of people give him credit for. And that's why I think if he holds on to it, it's become because he, it's going to be because he did a he did a good job, and Rudolph just couldn't beat that. Not because okay. Rudolph stunk. All right, a few more here before we call it a show. Is Devin Bush going to be the face of the Steelers' defense in the future? Yes, absolutely. That guy's a team leader. He's a playmaker. Long he don't get hurt, that guy's uh, that guy's going to be the face. Him and Watt are going to terrorize people for years. Absolutely. I think that's going to be a good dynamic duo. You think he could be Kendra Bell 2.0, not the ankle stuff. 
Whoa. But the defensive Whoa. player no. of the year, the rookie defensive player. Hold oh, on. Okay. okay. Like, come on, man. Don't put the Kendrell Bell curse on him. Kendrell Bell was dynamic. He was. He was his ankles. Yeah, and then he just disappeared. One of his ankles disappeared. One of his ankles. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he can win defensive rookie of the year. I think he certainly can, especially because especially because that's the position where Steelers get noticed. You know, it took years for Antonio Brown to finally start to get his recognition as a wide receiver and Le'Veon Bell to get it as a running back. When people start to say, okay, maybe they are the best in the league, even while they already were. Um, but linebacker, that's a place where people are willing to concede, okay, the Steelers have the best linebacker because that's that's the that's the Steeler position, right? That's you know, Steelers are, are the linebacker you the NFL, a lot of people always say. And a young Devin Bush that they traded up to get, being a playmaker, people I think the NFL will be really exciting to get excited to get behind that. And uh I think that he can win defensive rookie of the year because of uh, because of that factor. Absolutely. Felicia long time viewer of the show gives us 10 bucks in oh, a tip charge says great job looking forward to friday we all are felicia absolutely looking forward to ryan o'toole another guy that's always in the live chat gives us five bucks in the tip jar appreciate that um we have one last question uh just overall what are your expectations for devin bush during training camp i expect him to be uh to be much more on point than people people think um one thing that you know i i, I I've been doing a lot of comparisons with Ryan Shazier because everyone's thinking he's got to be Shazier um, because that's what Steelers fans had were used to for a few years. Um, Devin Bush is a more complete linebacker when it comes to technique, instincts, and what it takes to be the inside linebacker than Ryan Shazier was coming out of college. And I say that because if you watch Ryan Shazier – in Ohio State, he was a missile. He just flew everywhere, did everything, but he didn't break down enough. He didn't know where to slow up and, and, and check his pace and then readjust and make a play on, on the ball carrier. Devin Bush does, and I think that that's something that comes more natural to this guy and something that I think that people will see very quickly, and uh, that's a reason. That, that's something that I'm watching for, but I do think he's going to do very well early in this camp. Um, I just want to see. I want to see how he works with others, how he kind of, you know, in the system, playing gap to gap, and uh, how does he make plays on the ball? Because, you know, and that is that is one concern, you know, uh, that Dayan and I have talked about on, on Morning Java more than once, um, is that uh, we've talked about, you know, they need Devin Bush to be part of the, the cult that – changes the turnover problem on defense and Dion's like well he only had one interception in college but I'm like aha but so did Ryan Shazier only have one interception in college it's different when you're playing in the Big Ten you also have a dominant defensive line in front of you I think they'll have a better secondary than any Steelers linebacker has had in this past several years um, and I think that that is all going to lead to him getting more passes funneled his way um, and getting more of those opportunities. So uh, I want to see how he makes plays in the ball. I want to see how he adjusts to playing gap to gap and doing all those things, but I think he's got the tools. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's a great way to wrap up the show. Um, I want to give you a minute to plug your stuff at DK Pittsburgh Sports as well as your podcast. So go ahead and do that now. Guys, you can follow you can follow me on Twitter at Carter Critiques. I'm always breaking down film, talking NFL, talking sports in general, talking life. But follow me at Carter Critiques. I do follow back, so if you want to boost your follow numbers, it's another week. Oh yeah, hashtag team <laughs> follow back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I follow back. Um, 
but I also answer questions in the DMs. If you ever want to talk game or anything, I'm always down to talk with fans. Um, it's, it's really, it's always really cool. Um, I'm the lead NFL analyst at DKPittsburghSports.com, where I do a regular uh, column called Carter's Classroom, break it down X's and O's, the same sort of stuff. I did it behind the steel curtain when I got started there years ago, and I do that there now. Um, I get to talk to players. I interview them. I include that in my articles as much as I can, and uh, I break that down. Uh, we partner with WPXI. You can subscribe to DK Pittsburgh Sports for just 99 cents for, for a trial for a month. Uh, if you don't like us, you know, we, we thank you for checking us out, and it was only 99 cents. If you do like us, we th- we we think you and we think you will. You'll get Steelers, Pirates, and Penguins, um, Pittsburgh sports in the locker room and analysis. Great stuff there. I'm also a co-host of the Locked On Steelers podcast. You can check us out, Locked On Steelers. Search us anywhere that you do podcasts. Download us, to my, myself and Tony Serino. We're going to be back full force. He's flying into Pittsburgh uh, actually tomorrow night, uh, and uh, we and uh, he's going to be at camp. So we'll be doing stuff at camp all summer long so definitely check us out there but i got stuff all over the place man i'm starting to i'm starting to think like do i have anything else i gotta gotta <laughs> highlight but uh but yeah follow me on twitter get me on uh you know check us out at dkpittsburghsports.com and definitely listen to locked on steelers yeah i mean you do that after you listen to our podcast but once you're done with ours yeah head on over there i'm just <laughs> I'm just messing with you i can say that as a person that has the inside access to dk pittsburgh sports it's worth the money um, there's not many pay sites that I would say that, but that's definitely one of them, especially if you're a Pittsburgh fan, not just a Steelers fan, but if you are just a Steelers fan, there's plenty of content there. Chris's stuff is always the best. Check that out. Now I do want to say that tomorrow, Thursday, if you're listening to this live, it's tomorrow. If you're listening to it in replay, it's probably Thursday and it's today Ooh. is the fifth annual BTSC. Chris probably remembers this, our training camp confidential. Yeah. And that's where we roll out probably at least 14 articles a day for 48 to 72 hours, everything from camp previews to camp battles. I'm telling you, like if you're looking for tomorrow's a tease day because they show up in the afternoon and everyone wants Steelers stuff. Going to give you plenty of it. Going to give you plenty of it. So make sure you check it out behind the steel curtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. Also YouTube BTSC Steelers radio. Give us a like, subscribe. We're almost at 3,000 subscribers, folks. We're like 70 away. I want to get there before we get to week one. So subscribe, tell your friends. We appreciate that. And lastly, if you use iTunes, go to iTunes, give us a five-star, and give us a comment. I checked the other day. There were comments, and we don't get a ton of comments. A lot of people rate it, but I want to get a five-star rating, and we want to bump all these comments that are from 2015 out of there. I mean, that was back in the blog talk radio days. The sound quality was awful. It sounded like we were talking in, out of cans with strings I on them. I was there. I you was were there. there. You were there. <laughs> so if you like the content, I don't, I'm don't. i not I'm not asking you for a fake comment. If you like the content, go to iTunes, give us a five-star, and then give us a good rating because it's going to help our exposure. And if you're looking for us, just search Steelers Behind the Steel Curtain. You'll find us. Subscribe. And we'll end the show, as my friend Lance Williams always says, with tune in, tell a friend. And subscribe. We'll see you next week for another episode of Steelers One-on-One or the Steelers Burning Question, whatever I decide to do. We'll see you next time. Bye.